Let the show begin. Damn, y'all feel it? This is the Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. Check it out. The number one show focusing on HBCU news. Hey. With guests, entertainment, Ladies and, and surprise co-hosts. You put me in an awkward situation. Now, here is your host, Ken Finesse Media. Welcome back to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, another episode about to be going down, man. So you're tuned in. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media, giving it to you each and every week with something brand new. And as mentioned before, just like on each and every episode, we talk to people that's finessing the game. So shout out to Jazzalina of the Spicy Christians brand. We had her on last week for episode five, Jazz. Thank you so much. Uh, people are still talking about your episode, man. It was so good. We had a lot of great talk. For those who didn't check it out, check out last episode. Uh, my God, we had a great time talking. So, Jazz, uh, happy birthday, too. Uh, Jazz celebrated her birthday yesterday on November the e- November the 3rd. Uh, so, shout out to the Scorpios out there. Jazz Alina holding it down. She's the Emmy uh, producer for the Wendy Williams show, my girl, all the way from the Bronx, New York. So, Jazzalina, thank you so much. And again, each and every week on Finesse Media Podcast, we bring to you people that's finesse in the game. So, later in this episode, we got the founder, creator uh, of the Quintessential uh, Gentleman. It's a magazine publication which you can find online, also in print. If you order online, you can actually get the real copy of it. It's a great magazine. It highlights African-American men particularly. So shout out to my um, my alpha men out there. He's also a member, speaking of alpha, um, the founder, Eric Thomas, is who I'm chatting with later in this episode. He's also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. So shout out to the alpha. And shout out to all of my HBCU and Divine uh, nine affiliates, and uh, each and every week we talk about HBCUs. So as you know, uh, this week we got people on to talk about their experience at their HBCUs. So this week our HBCU uh, segment is going to be really jam-packed this episode. Uh, for the first time, we're having two HBCUs. So shout out to Florida Memorial University. We got Lizelle Lewis, that's going to be joining us later to talk about her experience at Florida Memorial University. Uh, and then also the uh, other HBCU that we're going to be spotlighting is from my alma mater, the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. And we got uh, Lewis coming on to talk about that, Mr. Lewis Lee. So we got Lizelle Lewis and uh, is it Lizelle Lewis and Lewis Lee? Two double L's coming on, talking about their HBCU experience. I cannot wait. So I see them in queue. I know they're ready to chit-chat and talk. I'm not going to talk your head off. I'm going to get into a music blend, and we're going to come back with the HBCU of the week, and we're going to start talking to my girl, uh, Miss Lewis, of a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated as well. So let's get into it. We'll be back. HBCU. Here we go. Damn. Y'all feel that? Online on demand. Finesse Media Podcast Season 3. Finesse Media Group.com. Gotta keep the clear and mama's gun. What? 
all the best podcasts. Listen to this podcast every week on your favorite streaming platform. Episode of Finesse Media Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media. And if you didn't know, each and every week we have sponsors. And so this episode is being sponsored by the McKibbick Group, LLC. The McKibbick Group will help people get out of debt. The McKibbick Group helped people across uh, the nation with insurance, money, debt. And the McKibbick Group also help you create a tax-free wealth and retirement. So check out McKibbick Group. That's going to be at MRSCD. M-I-I on Instagram. Again, that's M-R-S-C-D-M-I-I, the McKinnick Group. Check her out, man. I hear you can get your debt clear. I hear she can fix your credit. I hear she can help you with your insurance so y'all don't have to sell fish plates is what we're saying, uh, or set up a GoFundMe. It's not funny, but it's real. You see that. So check her out, McKinnick Group, uh, LLC. It's time for the HBCU of the week. Here we go. Historically black colleges and universities commonly called HBCUs are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principle was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. My favorite part of the show, before we bring the special guest on later, this episode, but my favorite part of the show, again, the HBCU of the week, and uh, this HBCU, Florida Memorial University, is a private historically black university in Miami Gardens, or in Miami Gardens, Florida. It is also a member of the United Negro College Fund and historically related to Baptist, although it's claimed to be focused on broader Christianity. It is one of the oldest academic centers in Florida. The university was founded in 1879 as Florida Baptist Institution in Live Oak, Florida. Soon after, the American Baptist Home Mission Society gave its full support, and the first regular school year became in 1880. But again, given historical facts and talking about the school uh, does one thing, as we do each and every week. But we wanted to bring flavor this season, season three, and we bring in folks on to talk about their experience. So hold your glass up, Ms. Lewis, because welcome to the podcast, the Finesse Media Podcast for the first time, Lizelle Lewis. What's up, Sora? How you doing? I'm good, brother. How's it going? I'm very well. So, again, thank you for joining the podcast and uh, representing Florida um, Memorial University or FMU. You said something else offline, too. So, talk to us. Talk to you our call listeners it, about your call it Slow Mo, honey. That's the home of the fight. Yeah. Honey. You call it Slow Mo. You were telling me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Listen, you were telling me some cool. shit like that. 
Well, not shit, but you were telling me some stuff like that, man. I was like, what is that about? So when did you attend FMU? Uh, you know, when did you graduate? What was your experience like? Talk to us, man, HBCU. Man, I, I attended Flo- well, Florida Memorial University. We call it FLOMO. Those from Florida Memorial or from Miami, Florida, or anyone from Florida know it's FLOMO, right? Okay. So attend- I attended there the year 2008. Um, I graduated there in 2010, so I spent exactly two years. I transferred from schools up here in, in New York. So I went to St. John's, and then I spent my little years there, and then I said, you know what, let me just, the school offered me a scholarship and everything. I looked into it, and I got a free ride. So I, I said, let me take a free ride, but then paying half a scholarship at a Catholic university. And I took it, and I went down there. And... The time I spent there, man, oh man, <laughs> it was amazing. It was all- it was often it's challenging. It was good, you know. Um, being no. from a New Jersey citizen, and then you're going out in the south, you know, it's a whole different culture shock, you know. Yeah, because you're from the East Coast. I was going to ask about that. I hear the New Jersey accent. Uh, I love Trent, New Jersey, East Orange, New Jersey. Uh, Yeah, Uh we've had some people from your hometown. Yeah, shout out to Karen DuPeach. She's from Trent, New Jersey, and uh, a lot of people from Jersey. How did you end up being in Florida? I know you mentioned the scholarship and all, but you you went to school in Florida from New Jersey. Kind of how was that transition like for you, being from Jersey? Well, what happened was, uh, what made me go to Florida, too, is that when I was studying in New York, I took um, summer classes at a county school in New Jersey, at Union County. I shot to Union County, they gave me a full ride, too. And they offered an um, internship in Orlando for the Disney program that everybody knows. And yeah. I went down there, and I, I did the Disney program, the college program, and I spent about six months, and I happened to like it. And then I noticed a lot of my friends and family from New Jersey and New York all migrated down to Florida. I do have family in Miami and Tampa and everything. So I said, you know what, let me look into it. And I'm looking into another school. And how I found for Memorial was funny because I, I play a musical instrument. I'm, I'm, I'm Trinidadian by birth. You know, those who know okay. me, I play the steel drum, the steel pan. So I was looking at schools that had that in a steel, dram, a steel band in their uh, school, and the, okay. the options was Arizona and Florida Memorial University. So I said, hmm, I never heard of the school before. Let me look it up. I looked it up. It looked kind of flaky. You know, that that you're trying to recruit people. You don't have recruiting. Right. So, you know, the website kind of flaky. I said, let me start calling my family down there. Like, is this a real school or is this a, is a fraud? Like, I'm not trying to spend no money down there. So my cousin down there, she says, no, her coworker went there. She's an alumni, it's a good school. I was like, are you sure? You know, and she says, yes. So then I said, all right, well, let me apply. So I applied, and then one of the administrators, I think he's still there, Mr. Lewis. He's a Lewis, too. So he called me right away. Okay. He thought I was his family. I said, no. You know, and <laughs> he told me about the school. They gave me the history, and, you know, and then it turned out that the music director was somebody my family knew. And they said, yeah, they give you scholarships, they give you this and the third, it's the HBCU, it's the first school, it's the school that wrote the Negro National Anthem. So like, okay, it's history because my high school, I came from a historically black high school as well. Chad Science Academy, you know, it's a very popular school in New Jersey. 
because with their history, they found it in um, in Nork. And the reason why they called it Chad is because it's the heart of Nork, where they, where they positioned the school. So I was used to that environment. Okay. And I said, all right, well, let me check it out and see. I applied. I applied for the scholarship. And I ended up getting a full ride. And this was during Hurricane Floyd. And so, I right. I mean, it's crazy times so, and blessings are yeah, still happening for you. There you go. Man, <laughs> I'm in the air at Hurricane Floyd circling around trying to land. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, it's crazy. So when I, I took the scholarship, I took the ride, I said, let me go. You know, it doesn't hurt. If anything fails, I can always stay off campus. I still got family there for anything, and there's other schools, you know. So I took the chance. I went there, and, you know, everyone was really, really nice, down from the mm-hmm. the RA was yeah, nice. Yeah, Florida. Uh, and it's Florida. So all I'm saying yeah. is, oh, my God, it's heat all year. But then I had a reality <laughs> check because people in Miami don't believe, they believe that when it's, like, 50 degrees, they're thinking it's like 20. And for us from up north, really, that's fall weather. So you got your little tin exactly. or your, your hoodie. We're happy as hell. Like, man, that's, that's where it's at. And they have on these big Eskimo coats and bubbles. I'm like, you're crazy. So people up north who don't believe that sort of gets cold, it gets cold. You know, it gets really cold, really windy. They have frost. They think it's snow. Everything shuts down when you see frost. And I'm there, in us and other people from New Jersey, we're laughing like, are you kidding me? Like this is this is the best weather for us, you know. But I mean, I, no, I did it. I tried no. it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm listening to you. No, I, you I was it. saying that I did it. I tried it, and you know, it, it was a fun experience, especially being from the the East Coast, because a lot of people down there have never, like my roommates, have never traveled up north. They're up north is Georgia. Okay. I said, you're not even close. <laughs> you know? Right. So, and I've made friends. Well, you got to like, get some Philly. of that Midwest. Yeah. Right. You get the Midwest. I had friends from Cali. I even had friends from, um, we had those from Iceland that came down. They had the international students. So that was cool. And Flomo is known for that. So a lot of Bahamians are there. Virgin Islands. A few Trinidadians, Jamaicans. You know, a lot of them are there. And I felt at home because, you know, I'm Caribbean background, so it felt like you really didn't go anywhere, you know? But it was, it was man, yeah. it was so funny and <laughs> interesting. Now, that's the wonderful part, really, not only just being at HBCU, but being at an HBCU in Florida, uh, just because of the, uh, the international uh, admissions or the students, I guess, you know, Florida being right off the mm-hmm. coast or the water. There's a lot of diversity there in Florida. I have a buddy who attended uh, me, Ma, it was not Florida Memorial, and I cannot think of it for the life of me. It was, uh, goodness, it's more of a Christian school, or, uh, but it's in, in Florida. Florida. It's not an HBCU. Thomas? At Florida International University. That's it. FIU. FIU. Yeah, FIU. Yeah. Yep. And he talked about well, the diversity. He talked to, yeah, the diversity he talked about with me, uh, you know, here in Texas, you know, where I'm at, but he went there, and he was like, dude, now he's from South Florida, from that Miami area, Dade County, what's up? But he <laughs> tells me a lot and told me a lot about, you know, the diversity that he experienced being at Florida International University. I was like, a school named that, International University already, you know, it got to be a very yes. high level of a university of different people from different walks of life. But, so, listen, I can't tell you uh, 
that you didn't have the best experience, but I'll tell you, you probably didn't have an experience like UAPB, who's our next HBCU. So listen, what I want you to do is stick back, sit back. I want to bring our next HBCU on, the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, and um, and bring our guest, Louis Lee, on to talk, to talk about his experience at UAPB. And then I want us to, to collectively talk about, you know, the commonalities, because even though you went to, you know, FLOMO, and we went to UAPB, mm-hmm. as we call the yard, we have so much similarities uh, at, at an HBCU. So I want to round it up and talk about that together. So sit back okay. and Lewis Lee, man, all tight. We about to bring you on, bro. Get ready. We'll be back with a more, with something brand new. Finesse Media Podcast Season You're 3. You're listening to Finesse Media Podcast, where each week we bring our listeners the hottest topics in entertainment, media, sports, HBCU News, and special guest celebrity interviews. When we are on air, you are in tune with what's brand new. You in tune with what's brand new. You're with your host, Ken Finesse Media, back with another episode, episode six, holding it down for another week and talking to, uh, you know, my folks from HBCU. So bringing it up, my brother uh, from my alma mater had to do it with, you know, somebody who I know that not only went to my university or attended the same university, but is also uh, someone that's from Chicago, where I'm from. So we can definitely talk the same language, man. So welcome to the Finesse Media Podcast for the first time. Uh, This guy is finessing the game. I I need an exclusive interview (laughs) with him. But my brother, Louis Lee, bro, welcome to the podcast, Finesse Media Podcast. Hey, appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it, appreciate it. What's going on, my man? Man, I'm doing good, bro. It's good to have you on. And before you jump into it, I, I want to do it respectively. So the HBCU of the week uh, was also Florida Memorial University, but I should say also the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. The University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff is a historically public university founded in Pine Bluff, Arkansas in 1873. It's the second oldest public institution in the state of Arkansas, and UAPB, which is what we call it, is part of the University of Arkansas system and the Third Good Marshall College Fund. A little bit of history uh, for UAPB uh, because we were also known as Branch Normal College, which opened in 1875, and it was renamed um, UAPB in 1972. So I just want to bring a little history just to do with the fact check way for my alumni that's listening and for those that don't know about the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, but to give more in-depth experience about the university and his experience specifically, Louis Negro, what's good? Man, just enjoying this thing we call life, man. I can't, I can't complain. Yeah, I can't you go, complain. How's everything going your way? I'm doing good, brother. I'm glad you can put them damn dumbbells down. And the iron to come and chit chat <laughs> with me, man. <laughs> hey, any time for a so fellow Louis, alumni and also a Shottown brother, man. What's going on? For sure, my brother. Again, thank you for supporting the podcast. But for my listeners who don't know you, man, let let them know when 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 what year or years did you attend the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff? I attended Pine Bluff in uh, fall of 2002, and uh, technically my major, industrial technology, uh, took four and a half years, but for some reason I didn't want to graduate in uh, fall of 2006. I just stuck it out in there uh, to spring 2007, so I graduated 2007 spring. Yeah, for sure, because nobody wants to leave the yard because the Golden Lion Den keeps his his cubs close. So being a Golden Lion... 
uh, being a Golden Lion and an alumni of the university, man, talk to us and my listeners or me and my listeners about your experience at the university, particularly coming from Chicago, because you and I both, I don't know how it was for you, but when I got off, and I've talked about this, so I want to regurgitate or be redundant, my listeners know, but mm-hmm. what was it like for you, Lewis, coming from Chicago and going to Pine Bluff? What was that experience like? Um, I will start off by saying it was a complete culture shock, uh, but I mean, we would need a, a, a five series. We would need our own Last Dance 10-part series to talk about my experience there, but uh, it was amazing. I, I, I can't say the, the less. It was, a, it was amazing. Like I said, it was a culture shock. Um, I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even know about UAPB. My baseball, high school baseball coach, um, you know, told me about it, myself and uh, two other, my teammates, you know, Octavius Payne and Deion Nunn, and, you know, he came to us, and know what's funny was, he came to us one day in uh, practice and was like, hey, I can get you guys to school. So we like, okay, cool, you know, uh, where you want to uh, send us to? And he's like, UAPB. So me thinking something else, I'm thinking he's saying UAB. I run home <laughs> to everybody and say, yo, I just got accepted to UAB. And so everybody like, UAB, that's what's up, bro. They gonna say, that's cold, that's right. dope. Like, when do you leave? So I'm telling everybody I'm, I'm going to UAB. So my coach, every time I see him, he's like, yeah, I just need you to contact uh, this person, this person, this person. Uh, they go take care of you when you get down there. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be straight. So I get a letter in the mail from the baseball team, from Coach Ben. I get a letter in the mail just saying, hey, you know, we can't wait to see you. We can't wait to get out. I'm like, this say UAPB, Pine Bluff. I'm like, wait. I'm like, UAB. Right. UAB is not in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And so I went to him. He was like, no, it's UAPB. So... That was like I <laughs> opened it right there, but um, I decided to lead a uh, lead a shot. Like probably two days after we graduated high school, uh, just to go spend the summer with my sister over in Virginia Beach. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just to chill, and I just wanted to change the scenery. You know what I'm saying? That last that last year of my senior year was kind of like draining, and I just wanted to get out the shot. Like I say, all the violence. You know what I'm saying? And um, just yeah. wanted to get out the neighborhood. So. Yeah. I shot over to uh, Virginia Beach. Uh, crazy thing about it was I was actually probably two seconds away from picking Hampton University to talk about okay. that just okay. for a second. So uh, when I was in uh, when I was in Virginia Beach, I was at a um, I was at the grocery store or something with my brother in law or something like that. And, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, what I'm expecting to do, you know, when I get down to Pine Bluff, you know, and all this. And then the guy, uh, the head baseball coach, actually saw my baseball jacket on me and my baseball hat. So he was like, you know, you play baseball. I was like, yeah, I just graduated high school. He's like, what high school? I was like, oh, I'm originally from Chicago. And he, you know, we talking. Man, he told me to get, he gave me his car and probably about two hours later, and I gave him my number, and about two hours later, he's, like, had my coach on the line from Chicago. Like, man, I want his stats. I got his stats. I got everything. I want him at the school. So I'm like, man, I, I, I'm like, yo, I could come out here. But Virginia was just too far from uh, Chicago. So still wanted to get away from the shot, but I didn't want to be too far, even though Arkansas was far, uh, far as hell, too. But I just didn't want to be too far. But... Yeah, the fast forward when I got right? down there, man. 
Um, when I got down there, you know, I'm coming down there fresh to death. I'm like, okay, I went shopping at uh, T's and B's, what, what it's called, Tops and Bottoms. So I got the Tim's on. I got, you know, some jeans on. Man, I stepped off that plane. I came out of all that. I was like, yo, wait, time out. It's too hot down here. So came from the side, which was probably about, like I said, 70-degree weather with that day when I left to go to Virginia Beach. Over the summer, over the, like, the two, three weeks I was there, it was, like, mild. It wasn't too hot. But when I got off that plane in Arkansas, man, Little Rock, I, it was at least 95 with a heat index, probably 105. Yeah. I thought I was about to faint. Yeah. Arkansas like, yeah, get this that is, heat. This Arkansas get Yeah. Arkansas get that, that humidity, kind of like what we get back in the shot because there's some water surrounding that state. So it gets pretty humid there. Absolutely. Uh, and pretty hot. Yeah. So I know getting yeah, off that absolutely. plane and, and being in Arkansas. To me, it was a culture shock. I kind of got off that plane, and I was like, yo, it looked like a bomb had hit the, the, the place. Now, I got off the Greyhound. I Man. didn't get off in Little Rock. Okay. I was a Greyhound guy. So I was right in front okay. of They ushered me right to the front door. And I was like, wait a minute. This is not what I saw when I came to visit, but no, that that experience was you know very culture shocking for me, man. But being on campus and so Lewis on on campus, what was one of those moments, or what moment did you have on campus where you were saying, okay, this is a place where I want to, because you went you know and, and tried other schools, but now at Pine Bluff, what was that moment if you could remember where you said, yeah, this is the school for me. I'm glad I chose this university. Do you remember that moment? Um, it actually didn't happen until my second year, honestly. Okay. Uh, just to give you a little, just to give you a little brief uh, description of what happened my first year. So, it was three of us that went down. Well, actually five of us. It was five of us that actually went down from Crane, from the West Side of Chicago. So, the three people that went down for baseball, um, you know, actually stayed down there for the entire time. But when I got down there, they didn't have our dorm rooms available. So I had to chill in the hotel room for about a month. Mm. So that was actually like, <laughs> a, a, that was actually like, it was cool to me because I'm like, oh man, I get a hotel room. So I ain't got to, you know, I don't have a curfew or whatever. So no, Lewis, that I, was actually I, pretty I must, dope. I must, I must interject only because I would like our listeners to know that that was a moment and we had to stay in the hotel. But it was longer than a month, which was really amazing it was like the whole semester <laughs> it was the whole semester almost yeah so it yeah, was, yeah yeah it was sweet um, no no so it was sweet i'm saying what you said but i want i want folks to know it was longer than a month and it was the best time because yeah. i was in the hotel because the delta wasn't ready yet <laughs> oh absolutely so to fast forward it uh to fast forward so freshman year um i mean being from chicago uh we went down there with you know like bernie mac said from Chi-Town, ain't paying no country boy nothing. Like, we went down there with this attitude, like, we couldn't be touched. So, we getting in fights. We know we about to get kicked out of school. So, we had to get our, you know, our act together real fast. But fast forward to the sophomore year, literally about 15 to 20 other people came from my high school down to Pine Bluff, literally. So, we're mm-hmm. down there probably mm-hmm. like 30 deep. Because we, you know, we met other people from the side. So, literally, my sophomore year was like the stamp of why I chose to stay at UAPB. Because, honestly, man, we, I, I really feel that the Chicago boys in 2003 made our mark. Like, I think I always said, like, yeah. that school is always going to remember us from the time we was there to the time we left. Like, 
We threw parties in JBJ. Um, I mean, we fed people. We had them drinking good. It was a college experience, man, like no other. So it was like anytime, like it wasn't because back then, you know, at that time, the Qs ran the yard. So they always had the, you know what I'm saying, the parties that was jumping, that was, uh, you know what I'm saying, that was going on. But if they didn't have a party and it was a game, us Chicago boys had a party. And like I said, everybody knew about it. So that was actually the spin for, for us. You know what I'm saying? For me to say, yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to rock with you, APB. Most deaf. It felt like that. It, it, it definitely felt like that when I came to UAPB. There was a host of Chicago people, but it definitely felt like in after 2003, dude, it was just a floodgate. Just like somebody just gave away a, a bunch of scholarships back home and everybody rushed the university. I was in a band, so I exactly. saw a lot of the scholarships really happening from, you know, um, King High School and um, from Julian High School uh, and then from my alma mater, Harper High School. I've seen a lot of the people that will come down uh, based off scholarships because UAPB was given a lot of love. And really, uh, as I say, with our university, they not only gave love, but they did give education with a personal touch. And that's really what I love about an HBCU because that experience that you get from an HBCU is I'm just going reference this and to say it's it's not going to be that if you go to another school, for real. I think, uh, and not just another uh, school, but just another. If it's a PWI, HBCUs oh, together, uh, I think we can really say that that education with the personal touch is really felt. Whether you're at Jackson State, whether you're at Flobo, uh, or again UAPB. So I wanted to bring uh, Lazelle back on. Uh, Lazelle, you there with me, girl? Boy, you keep messing my name up. If we sell. Lasalle, <laughs> you better get that name right, man. Listen, Lasalle, Lasalle, Lasalle. <laughs> you, you, it gotta be. Is it like Lasalle Bank? Do you remember Lasalle Bank? Do I remember her? It. Well, not Lasalle Bank. That's not a person name, but it's a bank, and I really said that. It's I know Louisville, yeah, but it's a Chicago yeah. bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a Chicago, Chicago bank. bank, but. LaSalle Bank is spelled L-A, and if you see her name, it's spelled beautifully, and I'm saying it wrong, so I'm going to just think about the bank, LaSalle Bank. Uh, there you <laughs> go. That's, you there you go. that's money for me. I, I like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure, for sure. So we're going to bring this thing back up because I don't want to mess her name up again. But, Ms. Lewis, what I was saying about the HBCU experience, it's usually felt at all universities, that education with the personal touch, you can go to your professors, you can kind of make a, a, a date to see your professor in the office, or you can talk to your at the class. So what I always ask my HBCU folks that come on, uh, and, and LaSalle, you can definitely take this first question and answer it, uh, but what do you say to people who say to you, uh, and you'll be lying if you didn't hear it, that HBCUs doesn't matter. And going to an HBCU, you don't get the same education as you would attending a PWI. DJ, cut the music. Man, I heard that all my life. And right. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I heard that all my life. And I've been to private school all my life. You know what I'm saying? So I went from, from kindergarten, I was in private school, preschool, middle school, high school. I've been through all my life, you know, and... I'm not going to lie, my personal experience when I went to high school, it was a historically black high school, you know, and the the foundation, the brothers and the professors there were Muslim backgrounds or whatever, and I always tell myself, no, I don't want to go to an all-black college because I don't want to limit my experience with other races, and, you know, 
learning other things and cultures. I always said that. So mm-hmm. when I went to like um, my first year in college, I went to St. John's University. I have a diverse friends, all different races and stuff, but I still felt empty. You know what I'm saying? Like they were all down mm-hmm. for learning my culture and everything, but I still felt limited. And I said, you know what? Why not? You know, why not support our own? Why not build our own? You see other races doing it. You see other cultures, other schools doing the same thing. Why can't we do ours? You know, and then I heard the negative stigma of, oh, black people was backbiting each other. Black people always, you know, sell itself down and build itself up. So I always taught myself personally. I said, I am going to be a different. I'm going to show you that we could build each other up as black people. You know what I'm saying? Whether I'm, I'm West Indian or you African American or you're, you know, wherever you're from, it's like, look, we have that same foundation, we have that same goal. So when I went to, to Florida Memorial, it was like no one looked at your, your, your race. It's like we're all brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? When you can have professors take their, their work day and sacrifice an off day or a day they maybe suspend yeah. whatever the case is to spend time with you, if they, if they could give you, yeah. like, for example, for me, I went to school for uh, broadcasting, communication. So when my professor could give me a whole computer lab to edit my videos and my stories overnight, when you see the guards and, and the computer lab is shut down and I said, look, I got to do this, I got to go to school. And they said, okay, don't tell nobody I have you in here. And they're sacrificing their job to see you um, graduate. No other school doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're looking at a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So when I saw that, yeah. that hit me. I said, you know what? They 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 willing to sacrifice their salary or their job to say, no, you're going to do it. You know, if you need an overnight and sleep in the lab by yourself, we're going to check on you at 6 a.m. And I'm there by myself overnight doing my editing, doing my, my videos um, called everything I'm doing, studying everything. So when I saw yeah, the whole cool. campus itself, teachers, security guards, um, even the cafeteria, they're calling and saying, hey, the cafeteria's got to open come get your food and carry back in the lab and be locked out. You see them doing that for you, that shows something different than when I went to, like, St. John's. Don't get me wrong, I like St. John's, but the, it was more of a family base at an HBCU compared to any other yeah. university. You know what I'm saying? And that, that, that no, absolutely. a lot. No, absolutely. And so that's what we're talking about, and that's what I was, you know, kind of asking. So, Lewis, for you, what do you say to people who – have said that, you know, that HBCUs don't matter, going to an HBCU, you don't get the same education or quality education or the results of graduating at an HBCU don't land you in certain positions as going to an HBCU or graduate from, a, I should say, going to a BWI would. What's your kind it's of, so what's funny. been your response to that? It's so funny you asked that because I was actually just talking to uh, one of my clients about this the other day. Um, you know, and I, I always tell people, it's, it's what you make out of anything. And I'll just take it back from, you know, a little bit of my high school experience. So my high school experience is also, you know, historical black, you know, on the west side of Chicago, pretty much, right right down the street where I grew up in the inner city. Um, and I was in also a special program called Metro, and Metro was always looked down upon because it was doing different things than a normal crane student would do. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, so sometimes we actually have a class down at the Art Institute of Chicago or, you know, the Chicago Museum, you know, just different things in that nature, just learning different things 
outside of what the normal crane student would do. So fast forwarded to, you know, my college experience, I wholeheartedly believe that my uh, major, if I would have taken it serious day one and, you know, not taking it for granted and listening to, you know, shots to, you know, my uh, chairperson, Dr. Colin, he always preached, you know, go to these NSV, con- I mean, go to these Nesby conferences. You know, take advantage of, uh, you know, this, you know, take advantage of that. It was just, he was always preaching, but I didn't start taking advantage of it until actually my last semester of my junior year. So it was almost too late, a little bit too late for me to take advantage of a real solidified career in industrial technology to be a project manager or to be something else, you know, something of that nature. But it's really what you make it. And I'm going to just wrap it up. Let's say that it's really what you make it because you can be pushed at an HBCU. You can, you can definitely go to a school and go to a college and not all, you know, colleges are going to push you in that nature. But I know several and hundreds of people that have graduated out of UAPB personally that went on and done phenomenal things in corporate America. Um, I actually have a, a, a client now, Sharice McCullough. Like she's, I, I love hearing her talk about her career over the years. Cause I always say like, man, we were in class together. You know, unfortunately that I didn't take the advantage of going into silver engineer, you know, different things in nature. I'm an entrepreneur now, but it's an inspiration to even still hear you even talk about that. So when I, when I, when I was talking about that the other day, you know, I was just telling the individual saying, you know, it really is not on the school. It's that individual of what they putting into the school. And that's just an everyday yeah. life period. What you put into everyday life is what you get out of it. And I, I do feel, like I say, I do feel if day one, if I would have went into UAPB, taking it serious and going down there and get an education like I was sent to uh, Arkansas to do, I definitely would have probably had a different career. But, hey, things happen for a reason. I just thank God for where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And where you are now is not where you will stay because we'll continue to grow. We're all here to continue to breathe and, and do what's oh, absolutely. So as long as you're waking up the mm-hmm. next day, we got some plan. And what we say at Finesse Media, it's a brand new day. And so as a brand new day and another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, listen, uh, uh, sir and ma'am, I want to thank you both for joining the podcast and to talk about your experiences at your university. Um, before you get up out of here, I do want to let people know, based off my last question, what are you doing uh, in your personal or professional career? Not personal. I don't know if they want to know that, but your professional career. Because, again, HBCUs does, HBCUs, uh, does uh, breed and birth some uh, intellectuals. Uh, that we know. So shout out to Kamala Harris, who is hoping to be our next uh, uh, vice president, who's an alumni of Howard University and HBCU. So that is a very good picture or illustration of an example of an HBCU. But what are you doing, uh, LaSalle uh, Lewis, professionally that you can let our listeners know about? Well, I think going to Flugmore University, it had open so much opportunities. I went to school for communications where I left there working for um, NBC and CBS, other organizations, and then I transferred to healthcare. So now I'm officially a public health officer for the Department of Health in New Jersey. And 
I also still do uh, music on the side, you know, to the scholarships and with the band with the school. So I have, you know, private um, clients that I play for, as well as a catering business I have on the side. I nice. keep busy. Most definitely. Finessing the mm-hmm. game, like I say, uh, uh, LaSalle, you ought to have an exclusive interview, uh, really, to talk more about your professional career. And if you care to share your personal uh, social media with us and our listeners, you can, uh, if you would, let us know how we can keep up with you so we can support what you got going on. Yeah, my uh, catering business on Instagram is at plated, spelled P-L-A-Y-Y-T-E-D. means that I play with my food, which I cater to all different cuisines. I make food that you know you can't eat, the healthier way of it, and you enjoy. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. Lucelle, uh, it's not Lizelle, Lucelle with an S. <laughs> you don't kill me for that. I know it's going to forever be a dagger in my side. I'm sorry. Nah, it's okay. It's all love. It's all love. And then you can also follow my Instagram, uh, Lady Trini, L-A-D-I-T-R-I-N-I. And you see where I do a lot of things throughout the community, throughout my personal experience. You know, I just well-rounded. And you always see me giving back and always supporting you know, our culture, our background, our community. That's one thing I'm very advocate for. That's dope. That's dope. Well, thank you, LaSalle Lewis from Flomo, uh, and representing in such a uh, lovely way. And uh, Mr. Lee, Lewis Lee, man, let folks know what you're doing professionally, man. So professionally right now, I'm a fitness professional. Um, I own, part own a uh, fitness studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, also, I'm a amateur level right now, but soon to be pro level. I'm going to go ahead and speak that into existence. Soon to be pro level uh, bodybuilder. Actually getting nice. ready for a show. I'm, yeah, third, three and a half days away from uh, my next show, uh, big show for me for this year. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing now these days. That's Definitely. good. And Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Lewis is, is, a, is a whole machine. He, he works out all day, uh, as I said earlier. Thank you for putting the dumbbells down and, He's and like putting the trainers. Yeah, yeah, this is four o'clock in the morning. Every I got day, all day. Four o'clock, day, man, I go at day. six. Yeah, four o'clock in the morning. I'm, yeah. I'm up doing cardio. No, check him out, Lizelle. Oh, He's about to get his social media. Lewis, let people know how they can keep up with you. Lizelle, you want to check him out. Yeah. He'll keep you in shape. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can I reach me it. on. <laughs> hey, let me know. I got you. Uh, but, no, you can reach me on IG at im.mrlee. Uh, again, that's im.mrlee. And then Facebook, simple, my uh, first and last name, Lewis Lee. That's what's up. That's, that's what's up. Well, we again, H- name. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he told me that. I was like, it's a bunch of Lewis's on this phone, uh, on this yeah, call tonight. Yeah, and time he said Lewis, I thought he fucked my last name. Because that's what he used to call <laughs> Yeah, y'all definitely threw me up. Lewis. See, I'm, I'm fu- yeah, y'all definitely set me up really with this one because I'm fucking up with the Lizelle, <laughs> and then it's really Lizelle, and then it's Lewis and Lee. It was all L, so that's definitely what's up, man. But y'all go hey, to the game. I I thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, if you're not subscribed, make sure you check us out on our YouTube page. Right now, coming up next, we got a great guest coming up. I want you guys to stick around and check the interview out. You'll have exclusive to it. But this guy has been finessing the game for so long. He's the founder and CEO of the Gentleman, or I'm sorry, the, the 
Quince Essential, uh, gentlemen. It's a magazine that spotlights a lot of uh, great people that we do know, black men particularly, and then some that you don't know. So I really want you guys to stick around for this interview coming up next. Eric K. Thomas on the Finesse Media Podcast. HBCUs is always my good time. Y'all have a good night, and we coming up next with our great guest, Eric Thomas. What's up, man? Welcome back. Welcome back. It's another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3, and I'm joined with a great guest tonight, man. Listen, fellas, uh, if you're out there and you need to get your stuff and your swag together, uh, I got the right person for you this time, and uh, finessing the game. Uh, with us tonight, the CEO, the founder, the owner, the, the operator of the Essential or the Quince Essential uh, Gentleman Magazine, joining us tonight on the first time for the Finesse Media Podcast Season Three. Eric, what's up, man? Welcome to the podcast, brother. What's going on, my brother? How are you? I'm good, man. I was joking with you offline with your black and gold shirt on, man. Shout out to the Alphas out there. <laughs> Shout out to the Alphas. Shout out to the Alphas. Yeah, we'll get into it because we also, um, before you came on, we spotlighted an HBCU. So we always talk about HBCUs here on this platform, my brother. But we also, uh, as I mentioned, uh, bring on Finesse. So people that's finessing the game. So uh, when we reach out to our guests and those that have accepted, I appreciate it. We say, we picked you because we see what you're doing. You're finessing the game. You're performing at the highest level of your craft, Eric. So we're going to unpack this, uh, you know, brand that you have, the Quintessential yeah. Gentleman Magazine. So, Eric, tell me about yourself before you get into the magazine. Who are you? Where are you from, brother? Sure, sure. So my name is Eric K. Thomas, and I am from, I was born in Philadelphia, grew up in New Jersey, um, went to school in um, Virginia, Lynchburg College, uh, had a degree in political science, supposed to go to law school. My brother's still asking me if I'm going to go to law school, but I don't know about that. Um, and just um, an overall person, just um, like going out, doing regular things, you know, as, as much as possible. You know, we in COVID-19 times. So right. Know. <laughs> can't, really, can't really do too much. No, right. so this, this brand, um, the magazine, brother, I mean, you, you got well over 40,000 followers. Uh, I'm a fan of the page. Uh, my friend, brother, uh, Leon, told me about the brand. I've been following it uh, before season three, and I said, man, when season three launched, this is a brother that I want to have on. So the Quintessential uh, Gentleman Magazine. Tell our mm -hmm. listeners, Eric, about this magazine. When was it started? And what's your vision and idea? And what gave you the inspiration? Now, that's a whole lot to unpack, but give it to us, man. We got time. We got time. No problem. So the Quintessential Gentleman is a media platform that focuses on telling the positive story of black and brown men. So it was very important for me back in 2016 to create a platform that um, really embodies the positive sides of being a black male. You know, during that time, um, I just didn't see, I was about 20-something years old, and I just didn't see any particular media platforms that were focused just on Black men and telling their story. Um, there were a lot of platforms from a fashion standpoint, but what about um, the business side, the fashion side, the lifestyle, and really having those tough conversations. And what was important to me was to start having those type of conversations that were necessary in our community. I feel like there's a lot of conversations within Black men um, that we need to have within the brotherhood, and we just were not having them. And I really wanted to start spotlighting those. And for me, it was important to really um, create a community around being open about the conversations that we're having and honestly talking about the positive side. This negative narrative that we have um, that Black men, you know, all they do is cheat, all they do is um, do sports. Um, 
all they care about entertainment and hip hop and all of those type of things, you know, there's so many, uh, there's so much more to us. And there's so many other men that do so many other things. And I think for me, I just wanted to make sure that we had a platform that you could see yourself in there. You know, someone else that's wanted to be an entrepreneur, they can be inspired by there. We want to make sure we engage our audience. So I just really wanted to create that platform. Perfect. And when did you start? This, this 2016. It's 2016 we started. It'll be five years in February. That's dope, bro, brother. That's that's dope. And you do this, I'm sure, with the team, man, because this brand itself is big, uh, as, as mentioned before. So who do you do it with? What's, who are your other partners in this business? Sure. So I have um, my PR team, um, Dane Young with the D Young Agency, very, very instrumental in all of our talent acquisitions. Whenever we talk to um, a lot of times when we're reaching out to people to be on our covers or if we're doing events and we need, um, you know, high profile people on there, that's who we speak with. I also have my lifestyle editor, which is Q Jackson, who also helps with um, events. Um, he does a lot of stuff. Based, he's based in Atlanta. I'm based in uh, New York. And then uh, I have a fashion editor. Um, Aaron Campbell. We have a managing editor, which is Justin Jenkins, who does all of the um, overall, um, all of the overall content for the brand. And then, you know, we have writers, Monique Howard. Um, and then we also have another writer, which is Jasmine. Um, oh, he's going to kill me. Jasmine Hatch. Man, you got an all-star. It sounds like you got an all-star team, my brother. Yeah, and how did you, are these people that you hired in or are they people that you know from, you know, your circle from college days or who are these folks? Sure. So um, Q Jackson, the lifestyle editor, a very, really close friend of mine, I told him I wanted to start a magazine one day. And he was like, okay, I'm going to help. Let's go. <laughs> and so um, he's been there um, to help me from the beginning. Uh, Dane on our PR side, um, I've been courting him probably, I think it was probably about two years. I was like, man, I need you on my team. I need you to help me. I need you. I need you. He kept saying, nah, I don't want to do this. No, I'm not okay. I don't want to do it. And then um, he started to see the vision and he saw the vision for the platform and saw the niche and the, and the fact that there's no other publications like that out there specifically for this genre, for this audience. And he was on board and he's been with us um, ever since. And then um, all the other people, again, saw the passion, but we hired them on later. No, absolutely. And that's a good segue because the state of black men in 2020, man, you see it everywhere, dude. It's almost like we're being washed. And, and I'm, let me just get front with you. This gay that's on the screen and I think um, the image, not from just a gay perspective, because I'm not judging for whoever wants to be, you know, yep. uh, you know, homo homosexual, if you will, but Seriously about the narrative about the negative standpoint, like there's so many negative images about the black man that I think what your magazine is doing in 2020 is really erasing those stigmas. So how important, my question to you, uh, Eric, how important is having uh, this magazine in 2020 and erasing those stigmas? So, you know, definitely gay is not a negative stigma or anything negative to be gay. Um, but there are certain projections of what a gay man is that, you know, they present to you as this is only one type of gay, uh, gay man. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Then you also have, you know, people don't, or excuse me, black men don't, aren't fathers to their kids. That's another big yeah. thing that we focus on. If you look on our page, we're always 
posting images, videos about black fathers being with their children because that's just not the case. And the numbers don't lie that the fathers, um, black fathers are in their kids' lives. So for me, all of these various um, stigmas and stereotypes that have been presented in the media, the TV and entertainment and all of those industries, we're trying, to, we're trying to dismantle them one piece at a time, with one image at a time, at one article at a time, with one interview at a time. And it's super important because, again, you know, honestly, being frank with you, we are dying. Black men are being killed. Yes, uh, you know, yeah. it's not like it's an accident. It's like, no, we are being killed. Yeah. And, you know, even as much as we want to say, if you look at our platform, you'll see these types of people and, you know, they're not bad. They're not, you know, they're educated. They're, they're entrepreneurs. They're quintessential. They're trying to be the utmost, the best, the, the, uh, the highest class. That doesn't mean anything when you're a black man in America. Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, we really started to take a turn in the content that we were producing early on. I was very much hands off on all the negative things. I didn't want to talk about politics. I didn't want to talk about any negativity. I didn't want to show anything about, um, people being killed because at the time that I created this platform was when Air Garden was killed. And um, it prompted me to start that conversation about promoting positivity and showing black men in a um, positive light. But I realized by me not commenting on those negative things, I was being complicit because I was not bringing the awareness that was needed for the social injustice. So having these conversations, talking with you right now, um, interviewing the people that we interview is super important so that we can erase these um, stigmas. And black men, we are king. And we are doing it, and we we are great, and we just want to continue to promote that. Absolutely. No, you guys are doing a fantastic job. And some of the people that, you know, you see Terrence Howard, you see um, the other cat, Terrence J., that's been been featured on on your guys' side. What has been a response from those types of gentlemen and and celebrities, particularly African-American men, when you post them on your page and give them shout-outs? What has been the response from those gentlemen? We have um, a lot of respo- a lot of good response, a lot of good feedback. Um, a lot of the content that we produce is a little bit um, heavy on the celebrity side, um, just from a marketing standpoint, getting more people to be aware of the brand. Um, but they've been very, ha- you know, been very excited. This is great what you're doing. We appreciate it. When we interview people, when we put people on our covers, they're very receptive because it's like, wow, this is awesome. This is black owned. This is black men. You guys are doing it, and you are adding to, um, to changing the narrative. And a lot of the people that we focus on and a lot of people that we speak to are doing just that. May it be them creating an initiative to get um, people to vote, which is what um, Todd Tucker was doing and we just interviewed him, or speaking out um, specifically on uh, entertainment platforms and doing shows that are um, important. For instance, we did Sinqua Walls, um, who was on American Soul and telling on the story of Don Camellia. So all of these different people that we speak with um, are super, super excited, super important to the culture, you know, but even down to the person that we interviewed that just started their own trucking company and just um, were able to do it in, in Atlanta, be able to do it on their own, making, mm-hmm. you know, millions of dollars in revenue, all of those people as well. It's really just trying to create this community of um, people that are like-minded. I always tell people, always, 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 I don't create this platform for anyone else. I'm not trying to be anyone else. I'm creating this platform based off of ideals that I look at, that I appreciate, and that I'm interested in. And I'm just trying to find a community that's also interested in that. Well, you got you got uh, 40,000 people, <laughs> Eric. I would say that's interested as heck in what you're doing, man. And so keeping that keeping that kind of angle going and starting something that, um, you know, that was not done before, 
Mm-hmm. Your brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, founded in 1906 at the campus of Cornell University, started that brother. And I must say, yeah. I have respect for all Greeks. For those that know me and follow my audience knows this. So I, I, I really want to know about your experience as a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. Where did you join Alpha Phi Alpha? Uh, was it at your undergraduate college? Was it grad chapter? Tell us about that experience. Yes, I started fall 06. Um, I was a sophomore in college, in Lynchburg College, the chapter Sigma Pi, um, and I was an ace and a solo, but, you know. No, no, that's dope. No, that, that's, <laughs> listen, listen, brother. No, shout out to you. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. No, um, paper or may, listen, just be clear. To do something by yourself, sometimes it's yeah. just a mental of it. You're a member, so we yeah. can talk. Being in a fraternity, man, whether you go through whatever you're going through, you're carving mm-hmm. out a piece of your time to be a part yeah. of an organization. So if you're working, if you are a student still, most people are, or if you get grad chapter, yeah. you're still working. Grad working, chapter yeah. sometimes get it worse because you got a whole family. So yeah. I, outside of the paper and this, I'm saying to this brother, shout out to doing it by yourself because there's no other motivation mentally speaking around you. So not to involve the process about the physical because I believe that, frankly enough, this hazing just got to stop. So I yeah. won't even get into that. I just more right. so want to talk about your experience. So being a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, the Ace mm-hmm. Club, the Tail Club, which I really like too, because <laughs> you're an Ace and a Tail, so you my club. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you my club too. Yeah. So being um, a member. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just going to follow up and ask you about being a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. How has being a member of Alpha Phi Alpha sort of helped in your personal development? So for me, it was. It was really about the brotherhood. Um, I went into it. None of my family, friends um, that I knew in high school was Greek or anything. My father, when I told him, my father is Nigerian. So when I told him I wanted to join a fraternity, he immediately thought there was a sorority. Um, And continued (laughs) to call it that for a particular time. um, And also didn't put any money towards me joining as well. Um, But for me, when I started it, there was one particular brother that was there on the campus. His name was Demetrius Cottrell. And I always... um, you know, shout him out as the reason for me wanting to be even interested in being an alpha was because of what he exudes, you know, being able to, you know, uh, he was like an RA, you know, he was, um, you know, president of the, the chapter and was doing so many great things. I was like, oh, wow, if this is what being a part of this organization is about, you know, let me, let me get some more information into it. And then after doing my research and just knowing about all the legacy that comes from that chapter, um, excuse me, from that organization, that fraternity, I was like, oh, this, this is definitely for me. There's no other organization I want to be a part of. And after being a part of the organization, that's when the work starts. No one, no one, everyone, right? I want to get into it all. No, once you're in the chapter, once you are part of the fraternity, this is when the work really starts. All the other stuff was, that was child's play. So, um, you know, being able to be a part of that brotherhood, feeling like I had you know, brothers, you know, that can count on, that I can count on, that counted on me, um, making sure that the community service part was really, really big for me as well. The things we were doing in our community, um, again, I went to a PWI, um, predominantly white institute. I, I don't know if people know <laughs> institution, I don't know if people know the PWI thing, but, you know, um, you know, it, it was a small chapter, but we were, we were so close and the things that we were able to accomplish um, was amazing. And then also just kind of moving that in. And I really feel that that has really helped me to be the man that I am today as it, um, as it pertains to just the character that I have, you know, the relationships that I have, the networking I'm able to do, and just really feeling like if you see somebody, oh, that's your brother, they're going to look out for you. Because yeah. again, black men, 
I don't feel like we look out for each other. We do not do it. And that is something, again, with this um, platform, I really want to do is like really bring us together and maybe events, conversations and all of that. No, definitely, brother. You're right. Uh, and it was a post going around on the Internet saying, hey, black man, when you see another black man, like, say hello and don't kind of stare him down. I'm from Chicago, so I'm in dirty, dirty Dallas now. But when I lived in Chicago, uh, Eric, man, it was tough. And it was right. not being in Chicago, but right. being in the South, it was tough kind of accepting that where people yeah. will say, hey, hello. You go, hey, what what you say? And it was like, yeah. hey, I was just saying hello. And it was like, all right, well, I'm just trying to make yeah. sure. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. And you no, from Philly, true. right? You say that? I was told it's the same thing. So, you know, being from Philly and that tri-state area, moving down for, to Virginia, I was not used to that. People right. were so friendly. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Checking on you. And that just wasn't my life. And now even in New York, when I have conversations with people, they say, oh, New York is mean and they rude. It's not that we mean or rude. We just <laughs> mind our business. Yeah. We got somewhere to go and we hit it. And that's it. So it's just a different uh, lifestyle for sure. Um, I took a lot of things from the South. So I still say, yes, sir. Yes, right. ma'am. All of those type of things. Because that's just what I... I've been doing for a period of time now. No, Philly, man. Shout out to Philly, and shout out to uh, one of the finessas um, from this show, Louis Stancil, just put out a movie uh, filmed in, in Philly, uh, Charm City Kings. I Charm felt City like, Kings. dude, I just watched it last week, Eric. After I got done, I was ready to ride motorcycles. Yep. I was ready to get crazy. Yep. Uh, I yeah. felt like I was from Philly just watching that movie. So shout out to the directors in that. I think Jada Pickett and Will Smith had their hands in it. But it if you didn't check that movie out, I would love your take on it um, because it was shot in Philly. And if it yeah. was real, if it was sort of the feeling. It was, was it shot in Philly or Baltimore? Oh, you're right. It was Baltimore. I think it's actually Baltimore. Right. With the it was boy. Baltimore. Somebody's yeah, been so screaming we, at me for the last two seconds as I've been explaining that. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, uh, we actually interviewed, actually one of the, I don't have it here, but one of our magazine issues um, is Jahi Winston. And he's actually the guy that plays uh, in Charm City Kings. And I saw the film, interviewed him. It was an amazing film. Uh, I thought it was awesome from the standpoint of the acting to the cinematography to the stunts. It was really, really good. And um, Meek Mill, I think he did a really, really yeah, good time with his acting debut. Um, and then I also thought it was so interesting because we also interviewed um, Will Catlett, who played the police officer. Okay. And in the yeah. film. And you guys, again, this is a spoiler alert, so go back, watch it, then come back and finish <laughs> watching this. Uh, but, you know, he played a police officer who was kind of like a mentor to Mouse, which yeah. is played by Jackie Winston. And when I had a conversation with him about playing that role, I was like, what you're doing as being a mentor in the police um, as a police officer, that's what I wish more police officers would do. Mm -hmm. And he was like, this is why I would like more police officers to watch this film because it comes to about being the community and you forget when you put that badge on that you had to serve, yeah. you know, and that's, you think about this power, this authority that you have and you're here to serve us, to be there. And a lot of times that gets thrown out of the window. No, absolutely. Uh, it's the, it's a great film. So for those that ain't, hasn't che haven't checked it out yet, definitely do that. And when you talk about having this actor on, uh, you know, and, and interviewing him, that's a great way to my second question or my, my sure. follow-up question about this yeah. magazine, the future of this magazine, who would you love to feature? Because you've done a lot of features too, Eric. So who would you love to feature yeah. on your magazine? So as it pertains to 
the person that I think embodies the quintessential gentleman, I'm thinking about President Barack Obama. I'm thinking about Will Smith. Um, those people, they just, for me, it's like, oh, wow, they, those, those are there. Like Sterling K. Brown, um, a lot of the activists that you see today doing a lot of the work out here. I'm like, those are the people I would love to be on um, the cover. But as one of my future goals is to put someone that's doing something that is a, a I would just say a no-name person mm. on our cover. And because we are so big and we've been in so many people's homes and so many people are aware of us, that person who is a no-name, we put them on our cover and now people know who they are. That is my ultimate goal and the ultimate future idea for the quintessential gentleman is really to be that person that um, introduces people to black men um, and people of, excuse me, and men of color that they should be, that they should know. That's the goal. Fantastic. No, that's definitely the goal. And so many blessings will continue to fall in your lap, my brother, when it's not about you. Because that's really what it is. That's really what it sounds like. And that's essentially sort of what this platform is to bring on people that's, you know, finessing the game. And not all the time people you will know, you know. So if you don't know this brother, you know, Eric here from Quintessential, you'll know him now and to introduce that. So it's bigger than your platform or having these people on, I would say, is, is, is a bigger picture than about yourself. So another good segue, because each and every episode on the Finesse Media Podcast, I ask my finessers, you, Eric, those that have joined us, thank you again, you know, for joining the podcast and being a finesse. But I ask every guest, if you go back and check, you know, I'm not trying to pull you. But if you check out the episodes, I ask every guest, Eric, who's finessing the game for you? So not this person that you may emulate or model after. I know you mentioned mm-hmm. that these quintessential gentlemen are people that you want to find and have featured on. But who's mm-hmm. finessing the game for Eric? So who's that finesse for you? Right now, um, I have to go with my girl, Issa Rae. Um, she is just... Whew, my hat, my hat is, my hat is off. Um, Two names. That's it. That, that, that's it. Like it's, it's amazing. And I love her and her team. Cause I always, again, you see me right now, I'm the voice, but there's a whole team behind me that makes sure that all of this happens. And it's so important that people really speak on those people that, you know, help them from a PR standpoint, that help them from a management standpoint, and then also the creative aspect of it. You know, I'm not out here designing these magazines because I can't design nothing at all. I, <laughs> I always say I'm not creative. I'm innovative, but not creative. Like but, um, you know, so she, she's definitely, for me, she is the ultimate finesse um, at this point right now. She's definitely moving in a direction that uh, the conversations that she is having, the things that she's able to do, uh, she's just, she's killing right now. She's a black woman. I love my black women. So she, she's doing it. That's, no. that's a finesse for me right now, for sure. She's definitely finessing the game. That's a, that's a great choice uh, and a great selection. And like you say, right now, she's hot. I mean, I see her as like the Shonda Rhimes for our generation is in terms of the projects that she has, man. And she got her hands on so much stuff. And uh, we also had another finesse on Rashida who worked on set with her for, um, you know, uh, for the thing that she got on HBO, Insecure. I had Insecure. a brain fart. And she tells me how great she was on set and just how down to earth she is and how really she is about her people and bringing right. folks on in, in terms of hiring folks on. Uh, you right. know, to continue her project. And so I, I, I will say to you, my brother, I agree. She's definitely finessing the game, Issa Rae. But to get the magazine uh, in their homes, online, let our listeners know how they can get your magazine, The Quintessential Gentleman. Sure. So you will go to um, theqgentleman.com. And then also you can follow us on all of our social media channels at The Q Gentleman. 
That's what's up, man. Well, listen, again, thank you so much, man, for taking the time out um, for joining the podcast. I know you're an interviewer, so I do respect your interview skills as well, too. So I want to note that. Thank I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you're a busy dude, but I'm going to continue to support you, man. You got to come back. Anything that you want to support, come on, hit us up, hit my brother Leon up, and uh, we'll have you on, and uh, we'll have a good time, my brother. Perfect, perfect. And though not sure when this is going to air, but about time that it does air, our next issue will be out, and it has uh, we are featuring Andrew um, Bachelor, who is King Batch on social media. He's an influencer, he's an actor, um, a producer, so many different things. So you guys definitely have to check out that issue. It is our culture issue. We talk. We have Kim Fields in that issue talking as she writes a letter to black men. We have a thank you letter to Colin Kaepernick, and it's really talking about the last couple of months and having embarrassed people's point of views on it. And it's a, it's an amazing issue. Amazing issue. Eric, man, you got to come back, brother. You you finessing the game. You definitely finessing the game, man. My brother in Greekdom, Alpha Phi Alpha, man. Again, shout out to the Alpha. Shout out to the Black and Gold. You know, I still rep UAPB, so I got Black and Gold in. I see it. I see it. I think I got. Hold on, right, this one right here in this corner here. I got a little, a little blue white. Here we go. Yeah, you got a little blue white. Little something for you. You got a little blood white, man. That's what's up, man. Eric, CEO, founder of the Quintessential Gentleman Magazine, man. Make sure y'all check it out. Follow, subscribe, do what you got to do. I got to get these magazines because in Texas, I don't see them. So can I get them in a store down here somewhere? Can't. There's um, not in the store right now. They're print to ship. So if you go to our website, order them, we definitely ship them out to you. All right, Dallas. No excuse. So we'll definitely get it, man. Eric, again, thank you for joining the Finesse Media Podcast, my brother. Continue to finesse the game and keep doing your thing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, my brother. Most dev, Doc. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. Make sure that you hit the follow or subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are released. Also, make sure that you are following us on all of our social media pages. Instagram, we are at Finesse Media. Twitter, check us out at underscore Finesse Media. And on Facebook, Finesse Media, LLC. See you next week with something brand new.